Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Let's leave this church through the years for various reasons. Nobody's ever left this church because they said we were boring. (laughs) We are not bored. We are in love with Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, don't get started again now. (laughs) Why is it that some people think that's all right at a football game, but it's not all right in church when we're worshiping the Lord? Why? That just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. Hey, um, my wife just whispered in my ear a moment ago, and said to clarify, just in case somebody got this confused, that this was not our 30th wedding anniversary. It was our 30th year as the pastor of this church. We've actually been married 46 years. Yeah. I'm not sure why she wanted me to share that. It could have something to do with the fact that our two children are 40 and 42. <laughs> just, just saying, you know. So, uh, would you please open your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians? 1 Thessalonians. Uh, this morning we will begin a study that will take us all the way through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And so, open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we'll read verse 1 in just a moment. And by way of introduction, this book of 1 Thessalonians is all about encouragement. Paul was writing to the Thessalonian church to encourage them, to encourage the new believers in their faith, to encourage the entire church to live godly lives. He was writing to the Thessalonian church to encourage them and reassure them of their eternal salvation and what it means to know Jesus and how secure we can be in that relationship. So, the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we may go right on into 2 Thessalonians when we're finished with this study, but this book is all about encouragement. How many of you could use just a little bit of encouragement this morning? Wave at me. Yeah. I, I, know, I, I know I could. I know I can. I need to be encouraged. The world is full of discouragement. The enemy is always trying to discourage us. But God's Word will encourage us. 
It will strengthen us. It will build us up. And this is a wonderful place for me to stop just for a moment and say to the River of Life family, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the words of encouragement, for all the cards and the calls and the text and the emails and the prayers that you have sent my way while I was going through radiation. Uh, I cannot tell you. I can't tell you how much it helped. It was so very encouraging. And I prayed this morning as I was thinking about this book of encouragement. I prayed, Lord, let me encourage them as much as they have encouraged me. And the word encouragement is, is not a difficult word to understand. All you have to do is just say it. Encourage. Encourage means you put courage in somebody. It means that when you speak to them, when you talk to them, when you interact with a person, if you encourage them, it means that you instill courage in them. You put confidence in them. They're stronger when you leave their presence because you've encouraged them and maybe they've encouraged you. And that's what encouragement is all about. And I can tell you that this study in First Thessalonians will put courage and confidence and reassurance in every one of us. I am trusting, I am praying that by the time you walk out of here today, no matter where you were when you came through the door, when you walk out of here today, you will be encouraged, that you'll be stronger. That's what I'm praying for. Let me give you a quote that I found some time ago, and, and I love this quote. It says, a word of encouragement during a failure is worth more than an hour of praise after success. We all need to be encouraged, don't we? Now, I don't know what you're going through. You may be on top of the world right now, or you may feel like the biggest failure in all the world. But I can tell you this, if you will join me in this study of 1 Thessalonians, you will be encouraged. It will make a difference in your heart, in your life, in your family, and I think it will make a big difference in this church. We are an encouraged church, but I want to tell you, I don't think we're where God wants us to be. I believe God wants to encourage us. I believe He wants to give us confidence. I believe He wants to give us reassurance. I believe He wants to give us holy boldness. I believe He wants to do a work within us where the light and the love and the hope and the help of Jesus shines through us so brightly that the world will want to follow us wherever we go as we go after Christ. So I, I, I believe that with all my heart. Now, this morning we'll only read one verse, but that's all we need to read to find some encouragement. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The title of the message this morning is Grace to You, and I take it right out of the text. Grace to You. Now, to make sure we're all on the same page this morning, grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace is when God gives us or blesses us with something that we don't deserve. Grace is when God pours His goodness out upon us even though we don't deserve it. That's the grace of God. So Paul says to this church, he says, grace to you. 
Now, there's something very interesting about these three little words, grace to you. And that is, and if you've studied your Bible very long, you already know this. It's Paul's, the Apostle Paul's, signature expression. When Paul was writing to the churches, he always greeted them with these words, grace to you. Paul wrote 13 of the epistles in the New Testament. And every one, he says, grace to you. It's his signature expression. Paul wants to say to everybody he's communicating with, grace to you. Sometimes he says grace and peace. Sometimes he says grace and mercy and peace to you and our Lord Jesus Christ. But he always says grace to you. That's the one thing that he wanted to say to everybody. Now, Paul was saying this. Paul was saying, I desire for you grace. Paul was saying to all of uh, the churches that he wrote to, and I believe the Holy Spirit is saying it to us because it was preserved in the Word of God. I desire for you grace. I want you to have grace. I want you to receive the grace of God. I want God's grace to be yours. Paul was saying, may you be the recipient of God's glorious, wonderful, hallelujah, grace. It's the one thing Paul wanted to say to everybody that he communicated with. I don't know if you have a signature expression or not, but I want to encourage you to think about, pray about adopting one. I know some of you do because I read your text, I read your emails, uh, I receive your cards. Some of you have what you would call a signature expression. But I'd like for you to just think about coming up with something. You could take one out of the Bible, uh, but to come up with something that you could use every time you communicate with somebody that would pronounce a blessing on them and would also reveal your heart, what you desire for them, a signature expression. Let me give you an example. Uh, Sonny and Mae Roberts. Wave at everybody. Hold your hand up. There you go. They, one of their sons is a minister, Leon Roberts. Every time he writes to me, it doesn't matter if it's an email or text, anytime he corresponds with me, he always ends it with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a, what a statement. He always does that. And I'm, I'm assuming he does that with everybody, that John 3.16 is on everything he sends out. One pastor I met in North Carolina always signs off your partner in ministry. Uh, a Latin professor would sign everything, Dominus Wobiscum, the Lord be with you. The great singer Rich Mullins would simply say, be gods. Two words. Just be gods. Uh, uh, one writer would sign all of his books and all of his correspondence with, and I love this, in the hope of racial healing. What a great statement. A faithful Christian man that I met years ago right here in the county and no longer lives here, but he sends me messages all the time and he always signs off with carpe diem. The Latin word or seize the moment, or seize the day. I, I like that. Carpe diem, make the most of every moment. 
uh, make the most of every day. That's, that's what God wants us to do. I, I, in fact, I have a signature poem that I have used uh, many years, 30 or more years now, I've used this, this poem. And people will see me on the street and they'll ask me to quote this poem to them because they've heard me quote it. And it goes along with this carpe diem. All I have is just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give an account if I abuse it, just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. God's given us a moment in time. I, I like that. Every time I see uh, Carpe Diem, I, I think of that. Uh, we have a moment in time. And, and by the way, the Bible's version of that is this. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. And I will be glad in it. Now, uh, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to come up with a signature expression. But here's what I want to tell you. You'll never find one better. You'll never find one greater than the one Paul uses here. Grace to you. Grace to you. Oh, he was saying, I, I wish for you the grace of God. I pray for you the grace of God. I desire for you the grace of God. You see, the Christian life from the beginning to the end is all about grace. It's based on grace. It's sustained by grace. It's all about the grace of God. If you are a born-again child of God, then you were forgiven by grace. You were saved by grace. You were adopted into the family of God by grace. You live by grace. When you pray, you go to the throne of grace. When you worship Priscilla, you worship by grace. When you work, you work by grace. Now, you don't work for grace, but you work by grace. It is God's grace that gives you the ability to do that. The life you're building right now as a Christian, you're building on the foundation of grace. You're building on the grace that was brought to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And your future in this life and in the life to come is based on grace. The wonderful, unmerited, marvelous, miraculous grace of God that's been extended to us. You know, we did it a while ago, but would you just join me and let's thank God for grace. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God for grace. It is something to thank Him for. This is a little story that I like that took place many years ago, and I copied this right out of the magazine. But when Billy Graham was driving through a small southern town, he was stopped by a policeman and charged with speeding. I can't imagine Billy Graham speeding, but anyway. <clears throat> I, I, I do find some comfort in that, though. But, <clears throat> but he was charged for speeding. Graham admitted his guilt, but was told by the officer that he would have to appear in uh, traffic court. Uh, the judge with his head down, not paying attention, one by one they'd filed through there. And the judge said, what do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? 
When Graham pleaded guilty, the judge replied, that'll be $10, a dollar for every mile you went over the limit. Oh, that God would bring those days back. That'll be $10, a dollar for every mile you went over the limit. Suddenly the judge recognized the famous minister. You have violated the law, he said. The fine must be paid. But I'm going to pay it for you. He took a $10 bill from his own wallet, the judge did, attached it to the ticket, and then took Billy Graham out and bought him a steak dinner. (laughs) That... Billy Graham said in his message that night is how God treats repentant sinners. He pays the bill for them. And then he blesses them with something they could not have possibly deserved. I like that. He paid for us a debt we couldn't pay. (laughs) And then he's blessed us with blessings we could never earn. Friends, that's grace. That's that's what grace is all about. I thank God for grace. You thank God for grace. Every service, and we do it around here, but we need to celebrate the grace of God. Without it, we have nothing. John 1.17 is a good scripture that will help us to rejoice in this. It says, For the law was given through Moses. Moses gave us the law, but... But notice this with me. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, friends, when Jesus came into this world, He is truth. He brought truth. But oh, I'm so thankful He didn't just bring truth because truth would have left us in a very sad condition. The truth will condemn us. The truth is we're sinners. The truth is we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The truth is we need help. And that help is grace. He didn't just bring truth into the world. He brought grace and truth. And oh, we need both of them. He brought us grace. So, doesn't it make sense that Paul would say to every person he communicated with, grace to you. Grace to you, brother. Grace to you, sister. Grace to you. Grace to you. Grace. Grace to you. That's what he, that's what he wanted to say. I, I want you to have grace. I want you to have the unmerited favor of God. I want you to have everything Jesus came to give you. He came to bring grace and truth. Look at two or three people around you and just say grace to you. Say it right out loud. Amen. Now I want everybody in the house to say this right out loud. I receive it. it. You see, I want you to know that you've just spoken the greatest blessing over somebody that you will ever be able to speak. Grace to you. All that Jesus came to give you. I speak it over you. Grace to you. I'm not a big fan of all the stories about the pearly gates. You know, people dying and appearing at the pearly great gates and having a conversation with St. Peter. I, the reason I don't like them is because almost none of them are biblical. And uh, so I try not to listen to them, but I did read one the other day that I liked. 
So a guy dies. <laughs> I think he was saying more than that. I think he was saying, we love you even if you are back, backsliding a little bit right now. <laughs> guy dies and there he is before the pearly gate, standing before St. Peter. And he says to St. Peter, he said, how does this work? And St. Peter says, well, it's just real simple. He said, uh, uh, we allow people into heaven on a point system. And you have to have 100 points to get in. And the guy said, well, how do I know how many points I have? And he said, well, you tell me what you've done in your life, and I will assign so many points to it. And when we get to 100, then you can come in. The guy was thinking, it's a pretty good guy. He was thinking, I like this. This is all right. So the guy says to him, he said, I will. He said, well, first of all, I was married for 50 years to the same woman and never cheated on her. Not even in my mind. St. Peter said, that is an amazing testimony. Three points. He said, three points? I lived with her for 50 years in faithfulness and all I get is three points? Three points. He said, well, how about this? He said, I was a faithful member of my church my whole life. I worked, I did everything they asked me to do and I was a tither. I gave 10% of my income to the church every week. St. Peter said, wow, I don't hear that often. That's impressive. Two points. <laughs> two points? I said, you've got to be kidding me. Just two points? That's it. Two points. St. Peter said, you, can you come up with anything else? And he said, well, there is one other thing that I think is a pretty big thing. He, he said, I helped a group of guys and we started a ministry in the inner city ministering to poor people and transients and, and homeless people and we would feed them every day and for probably 20 years I worked in that. And he was waiting. St. Peter said, I am really impressed with you. Four points. The guy said, you got to be joking me. This is crazy. I can't believe this. That's all I get. And then the guy said to St. Peter, at this rate, the only way a person can get into the, heaven, get into the kingdom of God is by the grace of God. And St. Peter said, now that's a hundred points. Come on in. Now, obviously, there's some theological uh, points left out of that story, so don't build a theology on that. But I do want to tell you, it drives home something. It drives home this fact that it's all about grace. Uh, it's all about grace. We can't get there on our own. It's about what He did for us. We start in grace. We live by grace. We end by grace. We enter the kingdom of heaven by grace. It's about grace. Isn't any wonder that the Apostle Paul would say, grace to you. Because you see, when you have grace, you have everything. You have everything He came to give you. Grace. And grace will, will turn your world upside down. Now there is a, a warning I want to give you one little warning in the Scripture, 2 Corinthians 6, 1. 
And, and this is what it says, and this is an important warning, is it is possible to receive the grace of God in vain. 2 Corinthians 6.1 says, We then as workers together with Him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. It is possible to receive the grace of God in vain. Paul was saying, this wonderful thing called grace can be misused, it can be misunderstood, it can be received in vain. And so the warning is giving, given to us in Scripture so that we can make sure grace accomplishes in us all that God meant for it to accomplish. Friends, God sent His grace into the world through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we could be forgiven. He sent His grace so we could be forgiven. Have you been forgiven? Because you see, if you haven't been forgiven, then you're receiving the grace of God in vain. He sent His Son into the world, and He sent grace through His Son so that we could be forgiven. He sent grace into the world through His Son so we could be cleansed. So that we could be made white as snow. One scripture says, Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That God cleanses us. He sent grace into the world through His Son so that we could be saved. Genuinely born again. Have a life-changing experience. He sent grace into the world through His Son so we could live victorious Christian lives. Not whining and complaining all the time, but shouting the victory and celebrating our faith. He sent grace into the world through His Son so that we could be trophies of His grace and His glory. And friends, I want to tell you, if we don't receive grace, if we don't receive the grace to get out from under the burden of sin and to allow Him to cleanse our hearts and to allow Him to genuinely take us through conversion and to start celebrating our faith and to be trophies of grace and to live for Him, If we're relying upon grace to do anything other than that, we're receiving it in vain. And it's a terrible thing and a terrible waste. Be careful. Be careful that you don't receive the grace of God in vain. God's grace was sent to change us, to heal us, to help us, to convert us, to make us new creatures in Christ with old things passed away. Behold, all things becoming new. So I close today by saying to you, grace to you. Grace to you. With all that it means, grace to you. Did you walk in here today with an unconfessed sin in your life? Grace to you. Oh, you need grace. The grace of forgiveness. Did you come into this worship center today and you're not sure if Jesus is really your Lord and Savior? Grace to you. You need grace. 
Oh, wonderful, glorious grace. <laughs> um, did, you, did you come into this house today and there was a time in your life when you were walking close to the Lord, but you messed up? You blew it? You got off track somewhere weeks ago, months ago, years ago? You lost your way? Grace to you. You need grace. Grace is the answer. You need grace. Grace to you. Did you come into this house depressed today? Defeated by the circumstances of this world? Do you need to walk out of here today encouraged? I can speak words of encouragement, but friends, the only way you'll walk out of this place encouraged is grace to you. To receive the grace of God. It'll change everything in a moment. Are you a child of God? You know that you know that you know that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and, and, and yet you're discouraged. You, you need to be encouraged in your faith. Multiplied grace to you. May God give you grace this morning. Do you need a miracle? I, I was thinking about that the other day. I don't, I don't think there's ever a time in my life I don't need a miracle, at least somewhere. Do you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle that you don't deserve? Do you need a miracle you can't work for? Do you need a miracle and you can't put all the pieces together? Listen carefully. Grace to you. Grace to you. Grace. Grace to you. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Oh, friends, grace to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.